0: everyone. Welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Deesha Mazeppa, and this is a South Asian interracial relationship and lifestyle podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Hello, everybody. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you follow, follow me on Instagram, every Sunday we're doing an Instagram live with Natasha from Purpose and Chai. She has been a guest on my podcast in the past. And she will be a guest again very soon in an upcoming episode. But every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern time and 6 p.m. Pacific time, because she's located in California, we're going to go live on Instagram and do about a 30-minute Sunday night wind down, chatting through like essentially brown girl issues and brown girl things. Um, A whole bunch of you have submitted topics and questions and things you'd like us to talk about. We want it to be a generally positive and uplifting sort of 30 minutes on your Sunday night to get the week started and also just have like a little powwow together where you guys can interact more directly with us. So if you're interested in that, mark your calendars every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific, set an alarm. You can tune in on Instagram live with me and Natasha. And I think that is really all I have on the announcement front this week. My guest this week is Ormi. She was born and raised in Italy. She went to school in England. She now lives in Canada. She has been all over the world, but she is actually Bengali. Her parents are from Bengal, and so she was raised in sort of like your typical Bengali Muslim household, but lived in Italy and grew up in a, having a very different experience than so many of us. She also wrote a book, which she talks about, and everything regarding her her book her youtube channel everything is linked in the show notes so you can check her out we talk about obviously her life where she grew up the way she grew up and you know really the similarities and the differences that we as south asians face no matter where we've lived in the world so without further ado here's urmi hossein Hi, everybody. We are here with
1: Urmi. Tell the world who you are. Hi, everyone. Hi, Disha. My name is Urmi. I I live in Canada, specifically I live in uh, Montreal, and I am Italian-Bengali. So I tell to people that I am Italian by birth and Bengali by blood. And I also say I'm Canadian by law, because it's been a while that I've been living in Canada. And um, I come from an educational background of, uh, in finance, and I've been working in the financial industry for about six years, I would say. Amazing. And so
0: one of the things you wanted to talk about was like being raised in different cultures, because like you said, your parents are Bengali, uh-huh. but you were born and raised in Italy. So tell us about that.
1: Uh, yes. So basically what happened is, uh, as you mentioned, my parents are from uh, Bangladesh. And, uh, after they got married, they basically, uh, decided to, to move to a new country. So they moved to Italy. And, uh, after a couple of years, I was, uh, I was born. And a lot of the times my dad uh, tells me that I'm the first Bengali girl, uh, being born in Italy. So I take it as like I'm very, I'm, I'm very important. And while I was growing up, it was a little bit um, challenging for me because being the first Bengali girl when I was going to school, I never had anyone that I could relate to. Because everyone that I was um, hanging out with, they were pretty much Italian. There were not that many immigrant kids either. Yeah. So I struggled a little bit in trying to fit uh, because when when I was at school, all my friends were Italian. So I had that influence in me when I was growing up. But then when I would go home, uh, there was this Clash that I felt I was having because my parents are very conservative and they care about their Bengali culture, so they were trying to upbring me as a typical Bengali girl. So I felt that I struggled a lot because I was not able to fit in either one of the worlds. So that has been, I would say, my biggest struggle. And I, sometimes I felt like I was an outsider because I felt like I was not belonging in either world 100%.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting cuz like everything you say resonates to so many brown kids cuz a lot of us grew up in another country, but what makes yours a little bit different I feel like is Italy isn't like a country full of immigrants. Like in the US it's like most of us are immigrants at some point or our parents were or our friends parents were, and even even in the UK you could make that argument. But is there a, at all a large South Asian
1: population in Italy? Uh, so back in the days, what happened is when my dad moved, it was it was basically the beginning of all this migration, like where people from Bangladesh were starting to move. So they all started to settle like in Rome, a little bit in Milan, a little bit like in the south. So when he moved like around the 90s, or I would say even around the 80s, this is when we had the first round of immigrant people moving there. And um around the 90s, we started to have a very big population of Bengali people. We had a very, very big community, believe it or not, especially in the south. And so I would say he was like probably one of the first one along with other friends. Uh, But we do have a lot of uh, big community of Bengali people. The only thing is in the recent years, they actually have moved to England. So now if you go to Italy, you probably not see that many Bengali people. But back in the days, we had a very big community. So do you still have family back there that you visit? Um, In Italy, no, because my parents actually moved to England in 2013. Uh, But I do have my Italian friends that I am like still in contact with.
0: So that's got to be, you know, sort of an interesting upbringing in that like you guys almost don't have borders you have to live within, right? Because now you said you live in Canada and your parents moved to England. So it's almost like the world is literally your oyster. You guys have sort of been all over the place. Um, Whereas I feel like kids who grew up in the US, like everything kind of stayed in the US. Like, most of us like, we know, we went to school here, we went to college here, we work here, most of us haven't spent too much time abroad, unless it was like a study abroad or for work for a short period of time. Do you feel like that's kind of an advantage for you where you see like, all these options are more like, not that they're more accessible, but they're almost like an idea that isn't so foreign?
1: I don't know if I you know what this you're right about everything that you just said that you know my parents they moved a lot when I was a kid like just to give you an idea we I was born in the south of Italy so I was born in Sicily and I was there for nine years and then we actually moved to the north which is like completely opposite of the South of Italy. So we moved to the North. And then for a year, we actually went to England. I had, I did one year of school in England and then we came back to Italy. And then after I finished my education there, I was like, okay, I'm going to do my university in Canada. So then I moved to Canada and my parents moved to England. So when I look back, sometimes I feel like I wish I stayed in one place instead of moving so much because I feel like I always... I was always leaving back like a part of me every time I was moving. I was never in one place for like a long time. So everyone that I was meeting, uh, I had to like break the relationship, but not even break it because I wanted to. It was because like I was a kid. There was no way for me to be connected with these people. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have mm-hmm. access to phone and stuff like that. I was like nine, 10 years old. Um, so sometimes when I look back, I wish we stayed in one place and then, that I would like grow with these friends like on a long term, but it never happened. However, at the same time, I also feel like it did help me to be a bit more open-minded and to see the world in a different perspective. Um, Because for instance, when I was, um, so when I was in Italy, I was only exposed pretty much to the Italian culture. But then when I was living in England for a year, I was exposed to the brown culture. That was for me, for me, it was new because I was learning properly about the Bengali culture. I was actually having Ita- uh, Bengali friends. So I really appreciated that part. And then when I moved to Canada, I learned about something completely different, which was, you're, I'm not just learning about like people that live in Canada, but the beautiful thing is that in Canada, it's like a melting pot. So you have people from different countries. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I got to meet people from, let's say, China, Vietnam, uh, Mexico, Nicaragua, which is something that I would have never, would have been exposed to if I never moved to Canada. So I feel like it has its pros and cons. You know, it's a, it's a good thing because I think it just shapes your identity and you get to learn different things. But at the same time, you know, you have to make the sacrifice that you have to probably cut ties with people that you have met in your elementary school.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in the 90s, I feel like the world was much less connected, whereas I feel like now everything's almost feels smaller because we have the internet. Um, and like you, I haven't moved all over the world, but I've moved about 15 or 16 times in my life, um, just within like a smaller region. Um, so it's that idea of like not being able to like maintain friendships or relationships with people like totally resonates. Um, Like, you know, I moved to high school and I like for four years I lived in that town and that was high school, but then no one knew me before then. And so, you know, it was awkward being that person who like doesn't know anybody and they have these little groups that have been established since kindergarten. Um, But as I've gotten older, I found that I can find a sense of home really anywhere And I'm also not super attached to like things and stuff because I know how fleeting it all can can be. Um, But for you, do you, what was like the biggest difference for you being, you know, Italian, but at home being Bangladeshi? Because here in the US, like there's like the more obvious stuff we've talked about so much on this show of like not fitting in and like people have ideas of immigrants and like different languages. But. I've
1: never been to Italy, so tell us about it. Um, I don't know. There are so many things uh, that I could talk about, honestly. It, it's like you said, you know, feeling an outsider was, a, I would say, the biggest part uh, of the struggle that I've been through because, uh, like, all my friends, all the circle, uh, all the, the whole circle of my friends, they were Italian, right? Um, the culture in Italy is very open-minded, it's very, very open-minded. So for instance, like they can go out anytime they want, they can hang out with whoever they want, they can go anywhere they want, they can date and stuff like that. They can dress how however they want. But for instance, like I was always afraid of like asking permission to my parents and because they would always question me, like they would be like okay, where are you going? With who are you going? When are you coming back home? So because of that, sometimes I actually like refrain myself from doing all these things. So in a way, I I was growing up in a bubble, I felt like. So when I would do something new, for me, it was like, wow, that's such a big adventure. I love this. Even though it was just something simple as like going for an ice cream, for instance. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I struggle a lot with that. and, And I feel like the Italian, my Italian friends also had a little bit of struggle understanding me. Because even for them, they have never been exposed to someone that is different from them. So when they would ask me things like, oh, but why are you not allowed to come to my home? I never had an answer. Like I never knew what to say, actually. Because I, I would always say, oh, it's because my parents don't want it. It's because our religion, our culture doesn't want that. I would say to them. So they struggle a lot. Also understanding, they struggle a lot to, like in the way I would dress, they would be like, oh, but why are you not allowed to wear shorts? And I would be like, oh, it's because my parents don't want to. And they would always tell me, oh, but you're born in Italy, you're Italian. So why are you not allowed to do all these things? So it was it was really hard for me to explain my world to them. It was very, very hard, even in the things that we could eat for instance or could not eat all the restrictions or when I would fast and they would ask me okay but can you drink water can you have this can you can you have that so for them it was also a learning process and I know that it really helped them in a way as well because they have never been exposed to this either because even in the schools that were I was going in up until I was 18 we did not have that many immigrant kids I was Probably like part of the one percentage of the whole school, we had one uh, Asian, we had one Latino, and that was pretty much it. So even for them was a learning process, and I do appreciate the fact that they did their best to understand me. And I think through time they were able to understand why I was allowed to do certain things, why I was not allowed to do so, why I was not allowed to do other things. Um, And even my professors, they really appreciated the fact that I taught them a little bit about my culture because even for them it was it was new so i'm gonna give you an example i used to go to school and i had i would have henna in my hand like Mm -hmm. drawing on my hands my hands and they would be like oh but what is this why do you have to do that and every time i had to explain it to them oh you know it's part of our culture we have to do this So they actually started to appreciate the fact that I was like teaching them about all these things and it just helped them to be a little bit more open-minded, but they also struggle a lot. So it was like a two way, I would say. It was a learning process for me, but it was also for them as well, because they were trying to like learn about this person that is completely different from them.
0: Yeah. And I love, I think what I love about the way you're talking about all of this is like, it's a learning process for everyone, but it also seems like, Keeping in mind that for them, for the kids that were just Italian, um, that it was coming from a point of like curiosity, like the questions and the what is this and the why and the how it was more curiosity and less judgment. Because I think sometimes immigrant kids have this way of looking back at the way they grew up and almost seeing all those questions and comments as a negative, as if it's coming from a point of judgment and not just like curiosity, especially like for me keeping in mind that we were all kids and we all had a thousand questions for each other. And we ourselves didn't always have words to describe like, well, I actually don't know why I can't do this. My mom just said I can't. Um, And then trying to explain that to our, our peers who are also, you know, nine, 10 years old. And keeping that more positive mindset, I think is important and not growing up to be sort of like a resentful person. I think there's sometimes it feels like immigrant communities, like there's this resentment that they hold on to because they like grew up in a world that didn't understand them or didn't always, you know, accept everything about them. But like, I like to think most of it just came from a point of like curiosity. And like you said, like trying to understand.
1: Yeah. And it's and I think at the end when we do not know something, it's all about having an open communication and just educating people. I think at the end of at the end of the day it's really about that. So they were really open on learning about me. They were it's like you said, they everything was coming from a place of curiosity. And everyone that was around me, they were very curious because even they even for instance when I would wear like typical uh, traditional daisy clothes, they would be really curious about like, you know, what what, like the dresses that we wear and they were super fascinated too at the same time so they were like you know it was a new world for them and they were open to being educated and i think at the end of the day it's all about education literally yeah
0: and they and like you said they didn't even see you as massively different right you said they're like you're italian we're italian we're like even though maybe you don't look like them and you have different practices and traditions like they still just saw you as one of them. And so the questions, I think, I like to think just stemmed from that of just like, but how are we different and why? Um, What religion are you? I'm Muslim. You're Muslim. So in Italy, are there places for you guys to practice? Because you said there's like a larger Bangladeshi population there now.
1: Yeah, so we we did have mosques. But they were not the traditional mosque that you can think of. It was just a place in a garage with carpets where people would go and pray. But mainly, these places were for men and not for women. So when I did attend the mosque, it was when I was a kid because I I can only like I would I was only allowed to go until a certain age. So. I, my parents uh, told me to go and attend mosque just to learn how to like read Qurans and how to like to learn the prayers. But mainly these places were like in a garage where people would just gather during different occasions or, you know, like for Eid or they would gather during, uh, during the day and they would just pray together. But it was mainly a place for like men, I would say. So it was, it was just in garage. We, we did not have an actual mosque like built. Uh, I mean, probably now they might have, although I doubt because it's a very Catholic country. Uh, but yeah, we would like gather together in like, uh, in these places or people sometimes during Eid, would just go to parks and they would pray there.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. If there's like not enough people. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, well, how many languages do you speak? A lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell us what the languages you speak. So I know Bengali. I know Italian. Um, I know English. I know French, and I know a little bit of Spanish. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: I mean, I feel like we always talk about like how so many of us are bilingual, but like most of us just speak like our home language and then English or something. I know. <laughs> Do you feel like though because? Because I think language is a big part of like understanding people, right? Is like there's different languages where there's words for certain things and feelings and moments that maybe another language doesn't have. Do you feel like the ability to speak so many languages has helped you kind of gain more deeper perspectives of different cultures because you like understand them on like a linguistic level?
1: Yeah, I would say yes, in a way. And I would say also like, so here's here's the thing. So when I was growing up, I, like my parents taught me how, how to speak Bengali, but it's like, it's like a broken Bengali. Like it's a, it's a Bengali that it's enough for me to communicate with people on a daily basis. Um, but here's the thing, because I was learning and studying in Italian, I am much more comfortable expressing my emotions and how I feel in Italian. So at home, we actually spoke two languages. It was Bengali and Italian. So whenever I would not know an actual word in Bengali, I would just say it in Italian. And with my sister, for instance, we just speak Italian. Like we never speak Bengali to each other. Only with my parents, I speak Bengali. And uh, and then when I was going to school, I learned English, I learned French, and I also did learn uh, German a little bit, uh, Germany. And I feel like it did give me a little bit of more perspective about the world. And uh, I think it just helped me to be a bit more open-minded and learn about different cultures. Because every time you learn about this, this, this different languages, you get to learn about different cultures and the traditions and the customs. And I think it did shape, shape a little bit my identity and to have a different perspective of the world. Um, so, so yeah, I hope, I hope that's the actual answer you're looking for. It's uh
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, for sure. I think um, really because sometimes I think about like how South Asian culture, we don't really talk about our feelings. And so like we don't, um, maybe there are words for feelings. I'm sure there are. But like I myself, like you can't really express my emotions in Gujarati or Hindi. Like I don't have the words for it. Whereas I feel like Italian which is like one of the romance languages the culture is very emotive and very expressive they probably have like a thousand and one words to describe different feelings
1: yeah you know what's so funny is that as much as my parents wanted to wanted me to be the authentic Bengali girl they always encouraged me to speak Italian with my sister and among other Bengali people because they were like oh you know what Like, I want people to know that you know more than one language. So every time, let's say, we would travel to Bangladesh, for instance, they would always tell me, okay, speak in Italian. So they were very encouraging about this. And I don't know if it was for, like, for particular reasons, but they always wanted me to, like, show to the world that you know more than one language. And they always encouraged me that, as much as they still wanted me to be, you know, the traditional Bengali girl.
0: So. Mhm. Which is pretty awesome yeah. that you speak so many languages. Um so my husband is half Italian. Ah. Um his his mom's family is from Sicily. Right. And one thing we sort of my family has very quickly learned over the years is that like Italian culture and Indian culture are like the same thing. And my best friends from Italy as well and her family speaks Italian like they're full blown and we always joke, we're like, you're the same, but different. Like both sides are obsessed with their religion. They're obsessed with their language. They're obsessed with their food. And family is the most important thing. And for us, it has made like being married pretty easy to understand each other because our cultures are so similar in the way we were raised.
1: Actually, I want to make a point about that because um, I work in this place and basically – I work with a lot of Italians. I don't know how it just it happened, but everyone that I meet in that company they're all Italians. And I was talking to my manager and her family is Italian. So she's basically Canadian Italian. So she's born in Canada from parents who are Italian. And we were just speaking and and she was telling me that her parents were very strict when she was growing up. And mm-hmm. I was telling her so were my parents and that's how I felt like we had something in common. She's like, you know what? At the end of the day, it's we're not so different. Even though we have like different religion, different traditions, different customs, we just have so many things in common. So she was telling me how her parents were very strict. They always had all these like rules at home that, you know, girls are supposed to be doing this and that and who they can travel with and stuff like that. And then, like you said, the love for food and family, this is something that we also share. So, you know, like you go to a Bengali person's house or, you know, someone who's from India, they feed you like there is no tomorrow. And it's the same thing for the Italian culture too. Like they feed you like there is Mm -hmm. no tomorrow. And both cultures are very like welcoming and loving and warm. And there is this value of family, you know, like getting together during festivities. it is something that we both uh, share so as much as like we feel like okay we don't belong because we feel like we're different but at the end when you like look deep into the roots we're not so different we have all these like similar similarities and i feel like this is how we just bring close to each other so it just makes it less difficult and i guess that's how it was for you as well if if you're able to like be with your partner and you realize how much in comments you guys had because and it just made your relationship easier I'm assuming
0: yeah and I think yeah. that's what it is sometimes like the show this is a relationship heavy show and a lot of people talk about who they're dating and sometimes you know you can hear it in the way they talk that we're not in my guess but so like in just like the community of South Asian some people really like focus on the differences. Like they're so focused on pointing out how different we are. We're so different. We'll never have anything in common. And to those people, I almost have to remind them be like the more you like perseverate on how different you are, the harder this is going to be. Like you're making this more difficult for yourself instead of focusing on like how you're similar, how you have the same values and interests and like goals in life. Like that's what makes something work. Not sitting there pointing out like, Oh, you don't get this cuz you're different. Um so anyway, like in terms of like dating and relationships, how did your parents handle that? <laughs> or <laughs> I guess how
1: did you see it? So they were not really okay with that. So it was forbidden to begin with that I would actually speak to a guy. And if they would see me speaking to a guy, it was like not okay, they would be like, oh, what would people say if they see you speaking to a guy? And then they would tell me how this is perceived bad. And then they would be like, oh, you should not be speaking to guys because this is not good. People would like always talk bad about this. And because of that, I did not have many guy friends and not at all. And when so sometimes what would happen is that we would have family, uh, friends, uh, kids that were, I would say a little bit older than me and when they would see me talking to them, my mom, I would see my mom stare at me and I'm pretty sure she was wondering what was going on. I'm pretty sure in her mind, she was thinking that I was dating them even though it, it was nothing like that. So it was a big no for them. Like I was never allowed to date anyone. And I remember when I was a kid, they would tell me that, oh, like, you know, when you get married, you we would choose a person for you. And they would always like, be so strict about candidates they would be like oh it has to be Bengali it has to be Muslim it cannot be someone outside of that and and they were so like strict about this and if they would see me like let's say speaking like for instance when I would go to my friend's house they would ask they would ask me like are there any guys there and they were always super super concerned about this so dating was a big big no. They were not okay with me dating. They were not okay with me dating anyone that was like Bengali. Um, even if he was Bengali, was not okay. So okay. it was such a big, big no. And for instance, I can tell you a little bit about my sister. So for instance, my sister, um, she's looking, she's hoping to get married, but she's getting a lot of pressures. And she has been having Like they always show candidates to her and they're hoping to get her into an arranged marriage because she's not able to find anyone. But here's the catch. So they want her to get married and she doesn't like any of the candidates they show her. So then now this seems to be open with her and be like, okay, do you have anyone in your life? Maybe we can, we're okay with you having like a boyfriend. And I was thinking, why was I not allowed to do that when I was a kid? And now she's having all this freedom in a way that she's allowed to have a boyfriend, as long as he's Bengali, (laughs) though. You know what I mean? So it's like almost to a desperation that okay, you told us all our lives we were not able to have anyone, and now suddenly because you know we're aging and stuff like that, you're so concerned that you're okay to uh, you're okay with us dating, and I feel like that's not right.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of hypocrisy in that. Um, And that's super common. I feel like our culture is like, I'm Indian, I was born in India. And like, the same thing. It's like, if you're a girl, the closer you get to 30, it's almost like you're seen as more disposable. And so they're like, so desperate. They're like, and they'll be suddenly open to like, well, are you seeing anyone? Do you have anyone in mind? And like, you know, they'll suddenly be more understanding. And it's like, almost like, it feels like our worth has gone down because we've gotten older. And so, oh, we'll like, the bar almost, which comes across as being more open minded.
1: Yeah. And here's what I don't like is that it's like they see women as a financial burden. You know what I mean? Like, as soon as we hit a certain age, it's like, okay, let's just get rid of, Our daughters, you know what I mean? And I don't like that. It's like if it's a boy, that's okay. He can wait as long as he wants. Let's have him at home and stuff like that. But for women, it's not like that. Like they can, they can, they don't see us as an investment, but they see us more as a financial burden that we have to get rid of this person as soon as possible. We just have to give her away to another family because that's the, I would say, the best solution that we can give her instead of, you know, investing in us, investing in our education. And I feel like this is sometimes seen. Is wrong because you have very ambition, ambitious brown women who wants to you know have a career. They might wanna you know just have it studied. They might just wanna have a good work. They might just wanna focus on that. But it seems like this is not acceptable, and this is almost wrong if you take that path. So it's like they just want you to take this one path, which is you know you reach a certain age, you get married, you start a family, and that's it, and that's what they see as normal and correct but there is no such thing as normal you know like Mm -hmm. choosing your career could be normal like why is it okay for a man to choose their careers but it's not okay for women yeah this is where there's the double standards
0: oh yeah i mean lots and lots of double standards and like you said we're seeing as an obligation to fulfill, right? Like brown parents look at their kids as obligations and like jobs they have to take care of. And it's like, if you're a girl, this is the path. And if you're a boy, this is the path. And you both follow it and you do. And obviously, the men will always have more options and flexibility than the women. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised your parents felt so much of the what will people say? Pressure, because they they like you said like there was not really that many Bangladeshi people in Italy like and Italy's a very much more progressive and open minded culture. So like what people were gonna say anything like there was no one there that believed in that mentality.
1: Trust me, uh, it's a, uh, they're obsessed with this. Honestly, they're so obsessed with this and the reputation. Um, even though there was like not that many Bengali people. But they were so concerned about those few that were there. They were always concerned about what people would say. Super it was like probably one of the biggest problems is that they were always worried that oh if they talk bad about you, it's gonna have an impact on our reputation. So we want you to be a certain way. We want you to be obedient. We want you to be respectful towards other people. So let's say when we would go to people's house, like I was not allowed to wear, for instance, pants or t-shirt. They always wanted to wanted me to wear traditional clothes, for instance, or if let's say I would speak up, it was not okay with them because it would be worried like, what, what would people say if they start seeing you behaving this way? Or if they start seeing you or being rebellious, you know? Everything they would tell me was like, it was, it was almost wrong for them. And they were always so concerned about this that I never actually spoke up about anything. I never shared my opinion. And I never shared my views because I actually used to think that whatever they taught me was the right way. But as I grew up, I started to realize that it's not like that. It's really not like that. And there is nothing wrong. And I was also thinking that, you know what, it's true. Our community, like all the brown community, people are a bit judgmental and they do tend to talk. They like to gossip a lot. You know, this is like, I would say everyone likes to do that. But at the end of the day, no matter what you do, good or bad, they will always have something to talk about, mm-hmm. literally. So I just, I never understood this, you know, and the reputation is like almost everything. But now we have so many people breaking this the this cycle. So are people talking? Yes, they are. But then they forget after, after a couple of months, no one talks about it. So what's the big deal with that?
0: Yeah, and I think that's where, it's so important to talk about all these things because like, it's like cultural policing, right? Like everyone is watching everyone else to keep everybody in line, but then they're also keeping themselves trapped in it because other people are watching them too. And so worrying about what other people think and say and their reputation and the reflection of their children on them, it's like you are literally building your own prison and everyone's doing it together Everyone is miserable, but no one's gonna do anything about it and then there's like our generation that is much more open to at least trying to talk about it and break through this and the people who do get absolutely ripped apart right like oh you stepped out of line like you're you're, you're supposed to go with the group you're supposed to do what everyone else does but I'm like this is not helping like literally anyone
1: yeah i I agree with you and I've seen people that you know try to go, try to break the cycles that now they have cut ties with their families and their families are not okay to accept them for the choices they have made in their lives. And I've seen people running away, honestly. I've, I've seen so many of them like running away because for instance, you know, they didn't want their kids to date someone outside of the ethnicity. And these people, they just took their stuff and run away because you know there is mm-hmm. nothing else that we can do we're not able to change them um, even though deep inside they know they're not doing anything wrong so it's um it's hard to change the mentality and at the same time you also feel like you know there is this resistance from the older generations because they want to keep so much of their culture and they want to bring it forward to the next cultures but they also have to understand and accept that if that if you live in a world or if you have moved in a world that it's like different from the one that you grew up you cannot expect your kids to be to have the same mentality as you because mm-hmm. we have different perspective we're in a western world where you know every, everything is so globalized so you have to learn to accept that your kid will be different Yeah, you don't live in a box. You don't live in a box, exactly. And you have so many boxes that you can create. This is how I see (laughs) it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's like, as I get older and I've been married for a little while, and I remember when I first, you know, brought Michael home and all that, and it was like, you're throwing your culture away. You're doing this, whatever. And you talk about, like, how some people will just choose to walk away, right? They pack their bags. They're out. And I... You know, the older I get, the less I have, one, patience for it, and two, like, any care or guilt for being told I'm throwing something away. Because I'm like, what am I holding on to again? Like, you're not making it convincing that I'm supposed to hold on to a culture that thinks it's okay to treat women poorly or to control who their children marry. I'm like, this is what you lose sleep on who I date. This is what keeps you up at night, like get your priorities straight. Mm -hmm. Like the older I get, like when I was younger, I was so worried about it, right? Because we believe our parents that they know what's best and they understand everything. And I felt so guilty all the time about like, oh, I'm like, gonna lose all these things. And now it's been years and I'm living my life and I look at my life and I'm always like in such a better place than I was back then. And I'm like, whatever I lost, cause you know what? I, I'm sure I did lose things, right? I lost people who don't want anything to do with me. And I'm probably not going to have kids that can speak my language. Like it's going to be a hassle to even try to teach them. Maybe I'll try, but you know what? If all I lose is the language but I also get to lose all the bullshit, I'm good. That's fine. Small price to pay. Because I look at my life now and I'm like, I am not chained down by all the crap that our parents felt was so important that they wanted to make a prison for themselves and everyone around them. Like I get they tried their best, but the older I get, I'm like, you were adults too and you could have made your own decisions about what was right and wrong and you chose not to. And maybe it was harder for you, but, like, I'm not going to sit here and, like, carry the, like, guilt of it all. Yes.
1: And I so agree with you on this. And I think that this is the thing that they don't understand is that the more they behave this way, the more they make it heavy on us, the more they make it guilty for us, It, it can become toxic in relationship. And this is where you really have to step step away from the toxic environment because then it's going to impact your whole, you know, your whole self, your mental health. Then it's going to affect your physical health. And this is where I think we need to have like open conversation about this because they don't realize how it it negatively impacts us and ourselves too and our identity. So it is... um. It is a struggle, and I think the uh, guilt—they know how to make us feel guilty. I know that, and it's—it's been a problem. It still is, even for me, where they do anything to make make me feel guilty.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes like it's like they don't even realize they're doing it because they're so deep in their own headspace and their own beliefs, and their this is what's important. And I'm like, you can't even get out of your own head, like you still think this is okay, or the way this person said something, or the comments that these people made, like you're still justifying this? Yeah. Like that's where I think like I will just never relate. And like I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I and I and I agree with you. And I'm and in a way I'm glad that I did have all those perspectives from the different places that I have lived because at least, you know, when I would go to school, I feel like I was able to learn about the different cultures, different traditions, have different perspectives. They really helped me to think in a different way and not, you know, feel guilty about not sharing the same values as my parents or not having the same opinions as my parents because they really taught me that Whatever we tell you, whatever we teach you is the right way, but it's not really. It's the right way because of the time they lived, but not for me. I live in a different generation. It's more progressive. It's more modern. And it's more open-minded, whereas the one that they were growing up with, it was very much backward-minded.
0: Absolutely. Which place has been your favorite to live in?
1: I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I, I do love my home country. And by home country, I mean Italy. Uh, because I feel like I can always be myself when I'm among my Italian friends. I can express my opinions. I'm not going to be judged. Mm-hmm. And, and I love eating pasta. I love speaking Italian. I love using gestures. So you see my true personality coming out when I am with my Italian friends. Um, when I was in England, I actually did enjoy it a lot. And I think it's because I've learned about the Bengali culture by being around Bengali people. But often I also struggled there. And I would say that sometimes I cannot be myself around all Bengali people because they do tend to be judgmental um, in a way. and. It, and I'm not saying in a negative way. I think it's because of you know the because of the, the parents and because in a way we tend to be a little bit judgmental. And I feel like sometimes I cannot express my opinions around Bengali people. But I um, I really liked it because I got to meet Bengali friends who really understood me and who were also. Um, who were also growing up like me, they were like British Bengali and I was like Italian Bengali. So in a way we like um, found something in common and I feel like we understood each other. So I like, like, I don't know. I like living in all the places, but Italy will always be my home. Like if you ask me, what is your home? It will always, always be Italy. Do you see yourself ever going back to live there? I don't know, to be honest, like I like, I like my life in, in Canada and I think I like it because I don't feel alone in Canada. And I think it's because I see more people like me and I can, I feel like I can relate to them. You know, there are so many people like, you know, Italian, Canadian, or, you know, Italian, Mexican, like I can, I feel like I can relate to them and connect with them easily. So I do like my life in Canada, even though like it can get really cold. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe one day, I, I do like going back to Italy to see my friends. Maybe one day I will be back. I don't know. But um, I don't know. It's it's a difficult, uh, it's a difficult question. Maybe when I retire, I will see. Maybe when I retire, I'm going to go back to my home country and retire there. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: in terms of all of your life experiences, you wrote a book. I did. Tell
1: us about that. Yes, so I wrote a book uh, not too long ago. Um, actually, I wrote it in—I started writing it in June—and I do talk about um, about my life in Italy. So it's called "Discovering Your Identity," and uh, basically in these books, I talk about different episodes in my life, like how it was to grow up in Italy, how it was to you know um, have Italian friends, how it was to. Uh, grew up in a Bengali household. So I talk about different things and I do talk about different episodes that happen in my life. And I mainly talk about um, how I managed to find my identity because as I was mentioning at the beginning, I never felt like I would belong to, to any of the two worlds. So at home, my parents would tell me, "No, no, you're you're Bengali. You're you're hundred percent Bengali." And then when I would be with my Italian friends, they would tell me, "You're hundred percent Italian. Like you're born in Italy. You're Italian. And stuff like that." But I struggled the most when I came to Canada because people would ask me, "Where are you from?" And when they would ask me this, I would just, I would just think about an answer, I was like, what do I say? I'm not really sure. Do I say I'm I'm from Bangladesh? Do I say I'm from Italy? And I never knew what to answer. So there were times that I would say I'm, I'm from Bangladesh and people would look at me and be like, but hold on a second, why do you have like an Italian accent? Well, pr- probably I don't have it now, but back in the days, uh, when I first moved, I had a very strong Italian accent. Uh, so they would be like, oh, why do you have an Italian accent? So then I had to spend like 30 minutes explaining him the, the story and being like, oh, you know, my parents moved from Bangladesh to Italy. I was born there and blah, 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 blah. blah. And then, I was, uh, then when someone asked again would ask me where I was from, instead of saying Bangladesh, I was like, okay, let me just try and see. How they they react if I say I'm Italian? It was the same thing. So I would say I'm I'm from Italy, and they would look at me and be like, "But you don't look Italian. Are you sure you are you from Italy?" And I was like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "Really?" Like people would question it no matter what. No matter what, everyone was questioning it, and I did not like it. I didn't like that they questioned it. I didn't like spending twenty minutes explaining my whole like history. So couple of years ago i was like you know what i embrace both cultures equally like i know i'm bengali by blood but i grew up 80 percent of my life in italy and it has really had a big impact in my life like with my education my friends and stuff like that so i might not be italian by blood but it is in me so then i started to tell people i am italian bengali and this is what i keep telling people when I meet them. I am Italian Bengali because I embrace both Mm -hmm. equally. They are both part of me. And I talk about this in the book. And because I feel like there are a lot of kids like me that can relate to it, I wanted to share this with the world. And I can tell you writing this book came with a lot of guilt because I do talk about a lot of things that happened to me when I was in Italy, when I was you know, with my parents and stuff like that. It did come with a lot of guilt, But I also knew that the world needed to know about this. So that's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to write this book. I'm just going to go with it. And that's how I went with it. So I published it like a month ago.
0: That's amazing, though. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, And we'll make sure the link for that book and all of that is down below for you guys if you wanted to check it out. Um, The last question I always ask all of my guests is, If you could leave the audience with a piece of advice or some words
1: of wisdom, what would they be? I would say is that the greatest gift that you can ever give to someone is to accept them and love them for for who they want to be.
0: Beautiful. short and sweet. (laughs) Love it. If people wanted to find you online, where could they find you? Uh, So I have a
1: YouTube channel. It's called the Uymiha Sign. People can subscribe to my channel. I talk about different things like finance, public speaking, learning a language. I also have my blog. It's called myways.ca. And in this blog, I talk about different things. And I do share a little bit about my story, who I am. I give book recommendations, especially when I read like books written by brown authors. I try to give a recommendation about that. Uh, I also talk about public speaking, career, finance, so everything that happen in my, happens in my life. I do talk about it in my blog. And I also have my my book that people can buy. It's called Discovering Your Identity. And I also have an Instagram account, which is called Urma Mio. Perfect.
0: All of that, as always, in the show notes. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, you leave us a review on iTunes. You can find the show on all major streaming platforms. You can find me on Instagram at disha.mazeppa. You can shop my Etsy shop, DishaMazeppa Designs. Find out everything you want to know about this show at dishamazeppa.com. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, you can email BWWPSpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Disha Mystery Mazepa. Music for the show was created by Crackswell.